This is the Human-Centric Investing Podcast with John Deal, where we look at the world of investing through the eyes of our clients. Take it away, John. Hello, financial advisors. This is John Deal, Senior Vice President of Strategic Markets at Hartford Funds. Welcome to Episode 29 of the Human-Centric Investing Podcast. Joining me today is Jill Slomsky, president of Niche Team. Welcome back to the podcast, Jill. Well, thanks, John. It's great to be here. You know, every time we have Jill on the podcast, we always come away with lots of actionable ideas. And uh, so I'm very excited about our, our topic today, Jill, because today we're going to be talking about things that advisors do, most of the time unknowingly, that tend to damage their relationships with women investors. And uh, and so all of you listening know we will have a worksheet. Jill's provided us a worksheet that you can get to in our show notes from today's episode. So with that, Jill, let's get started. You know, the, the, the title of the content that you've helped Hartford Funds create in this area about building bitter or build, building bitter, building better relationships with female investors is called Accidental Sabotage. It's a provocative title and kind of share with us, if you will, kind of where the title came from and, and what the thinking is behind it. Well, as we were developing the information, we were coming up with all kinds of wonderful ways that financial advisors can develop relationships with their female clients, knowing that they're a great target market. And but they but they behave differently than male investors do. And as we were going through testing material and talking with advisors, people were very confident that they were doing a great job in reaching out to women. And as we dug into the research, we actually found that, you know, when grading themselves as to how well they serve their female investors, more than 87 percent of financial advisors thought that they were above average in serving female, female investors. And so, you know, they think they're doing great. And, but the interesting thing was that 66% of women don't feel that they're being well served by their advisor. So there's a huge disconnect in there. So we decided to dig deep and figure out what's going on. Like, where is this crazy disconnect where, hey, I think I'm doing a really good job. And the women are like, well, not at all. Like, I have no relationship here. I don't have any loyalty. I'm not being served. So, Jill, what you're saying is men are overestimating their own abilities in terms of relationships (laughs) and communication with their female clients. Crazy, but yes, John, they are. <laughs> so wh- why do you think that is? So you just shared with us some of the areas of disconnect in terms of, because look, it's it's no mystery that the majority of the financial services industry, by and large, especially financial advisors, are of the male gender. Um, and yet we know, especially coming from our research with the folks at the MITH lab, that female consumers are really making up what they would consider the single biggest demographic shift because of the role that they play in the workplace now and their educational attainment, as well as what happens on the other end of life and the fact that 40% of women over age 70 are likely to be aging by themselves because of divorce, widowhood, and other areas. So we know, and most advisors, Jill, I think, know that female consumers are, are especially, female clients are especially important to their practices moving forward. But why do you think the disconnect between what we think we're doing and how well we're actually doing with our female clients. 
Well, I, I think there's a few things happening there. Uh, many advisors have been in the business for quite some time, and it seems to be working. Their numbers are there. Uh, also, th- women communicate differently. And so if there is a female client, whether they are married or not sitting into sitting in the office and they're not stating their discontent, the assumption is that, well, I must be doing really, really well. But you figure that as these women are more educated than ever, they're continuing to make, as you mentioned, over 85% of the decisions in a home. And then the, trans, the transfer of wealth, advisors have to understand that they, that silence isn't necessarily acceptance. And they're just changing their mind or that they're educated and they're vetting you before they even get into the office. So you're dealing with a very savvy investor, whether or not they're articulating that in your presence or not. So what may have worked in the past isn't going to work moving forward. So, Jill, what we're, where we may be taking silence as affirmation that the client is on board and, and we're kind of marching down the same path. You're saying that silence in terms of the female investor may be something quite different. You know, John, just think about any female in your life. Has silence ever really meant acceptance? <laughs> you know, think about it. You know, if they're just looking back at you, that doesn't mean I've got this. Women, women are pretty good at using a lot of words. So if someone says fine or nothing, that, that probably doesn't mean that they're fine or they have nothing to add. Uh, well, and Jill, so, in, my, in my own experience, I take silence to mean I've usually done a pretty good job, at least when I want to think that way, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, is it true then, Jill? What about – so one thing, you know, that has always uh, kind of puzzled me, sometimes, you know, whenever we talk about male versus female investors, you know, we say do female investors prefer a female advisor or a male advisor, and at least I know in what I've looked at. Uh, and even in my own experimentals, you know, notional studies where I ask women investors, hey, would you prefer a, a male or a female advisor? They usually come back to me with a very practical answer and they say, I want the one that'll do the best job. But in terms of how advisors are serving male investors, are they also unsatisfied? Do you see a, a parallel or, are, or does the data know. tell you something different? Only 90% of them are thrilled to death. Wow. Yeah. And so it, it, and, and the other interesting thing, John, is that when women were asked, you know, do you want a male or a female advisor? They don't care. You're exactly right. What you said is correct. They just want someone who will build a relationship with them and listen to them. And so, and as a matter of fact, when I, when we started coaching and, and presenting to financial advisors, my own financial advisor said, you know, you may not want to mention that I'm a male. Because maybe maybe they'll think that, you know, there's something disingenuous. And I said, how dare you judge the relationship that we've had for 20 years? Like you chose to have a relationship and find out what was important to me and my family. So it doesn't matter if you're a male or a female. What matters is that my family matters to you. You know, and I wonder if you'd agree with this, Jill. I mean, in, in talking with my friend, Dr. Joe Coughlin at the, the Age Lab, he talks about decision decision brackets and he one of the things he talks about is that men are oftentimes very either singular or very narrowly focused on the objective if it's making money then it's making money but they say when he says when it comes to financial decisions the woman's decision bracket is much broader because she's concerned about how those decisions impact uh, the extended family it goes beyond just the spouse and and maybe the children it may go to friends or it may go to parents or it may go to grandchildren do you do you find that's true that in a, 
in a woman's mind, oftentimes the decision-making process is uh, is very burdensome because of the concern about the outcome on other parties? Burdensome is a great word. Uh, burdensome is a great word. And, and, and you've hit one of the key, key t- tips on how to relate to women right on the head. Women think very differently. Men have, there's a great podcast and, 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 and it indi- it's a, actually a TED talk. And it mentions that men have boxes of topics in their brain and that women have this connectivity of wiring in their brain. And so as you have a female client sitting in your office and you're talking about retirement, the, the male in the room might say retirement. Great. And they're thinking, okay, I'm going to retire and what that, and, and it's going to happen on a certain date and retirement is the topic. Women think about, oh my gosh, we're going to retire. We're going to be okay. Will we stay in the house? We'll be able to see the kids. We're going to travel. Oh my gosh, the kids, I have to babysit on Saturday. Hmm. I think I have to make dinner for the kids on Saturday. Aha. So the female is silent in the office, but really her mind is rolling with connectivity. And so, and we can't help it. And one is not better than the other. And that's why, you know, taking a moment and understanding the way women differ, but how there's such an incredibly wonderful target market for financial advisors. That's why going, going back to this, um, accidental behavior that financial advisors may be having, um, is so important to consider if you want to be successful. So, Jill, by the fact that you call it accidental sabotage or accidental behaviors, if you will, I take it that you're meaning, and I know that you meet with many, 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 many different advisors of all stripes. I take it that you mean that many times advisors may not even realize what they're doing that may be damaging that relationship. Is that correct? It's absolutely correct, John. We were test driving this presentation to a group of financial advisors, and I mentioned that you know women are making most of the decisions. They are quiet in the office. You have to ask them the right types of questions to get to know them. And actually, after the death or the divorce, that 70% of women will leave their financial advisor. And in the front row, a male financial advisor threw his hands up in the air and said very loudly, what am I supposed to do if they won't talk to me and I can't get to know them and they're going to leave me? How, what am I supposed to do with all of these women? And, it was, and, and, you know, and we rolled out the rest of the information and gave them. And by the end, he said, okay, I've got this. Uh, well, thinking about that, Jill, um, what are some of the things? Can you start us off with a couple of examples or maybe your, your top hits of things that advisors are doing without even really realizing it that may damage these relationships that they may want to think about changing? Oh, absolutely, John. So let's consider this. Uh, a female is, is sitting down in a financial advisor's office. And, and, and the advisor is telling about their credentials. Maybe they have their CFP, their AMS. They talk about where they went to college. They talk about, um, the performance and, and, and how well they do with all of their clients. And they speak in all, in all the acronyms that make them sound absolutely wonderful. Yeah, that sounds about right, right? We need to establish credibility, correct? Well, actually, no. Um, it, it, although it sounds great, they've already vetted you more than if they're sitting there. You got to think about it. If they're sitting there, they've already looked at you on social media. They've looked up your credentials. They've looked at the proximity of office that's their their lifestyle and and their routine. And so they already know what your credentials are. Instead, what they want to do is to find out. You know, why did you choose this? Like, why are you a financial advisor? If you're an advisor, tell your clients why you love being a financial advisor. 
or imagine what that's like. But let's step back for just a second, John. Let's say that that you and I are going to go buy a car and we step onto the car lot and we're looking at an SUV and up walks a, a salesperson and they say, hi, how are you? My name is John and I've been working here for 17 years and I have sold 14,252 cars and I am licensed in this many states. We don't care. No, no, we, we care. The SUV. We, we want to hear what the car will do for us. That's exactly right. So instead, what the financial advisor could do then is to say, you know, it's really nice to meet you and then introduce his business self and, and why he loves being an advisor. Like, yeah, you know, I love I love working with my clients to find out what's important to them and getting to know them and their family and talking about why they love what they do. There's nothing more attractive than working with someone who loves what they do. And then instead of talking about in acronyms, which can be so off-putting, just, you know, start talking about somebody's personal goals. You'll get to all of the investments later. And and then and then the last thing, John, and, and consider this, what, what it's like for someone. They walk into a financial advisor's office and the financial advisor says, hi, and they over, you know, they talk about all of their credentials. And then they say, OK, let me get a little bit of facts. Age. Income. Do you own a home? Do you own a car? How much debt are you in? How much savings do you have? How many dependents do you have? They haven't said it's like being x-rayed. It's like a financial x-ray by someone who doesn't know you. So if a financial advisor wants to do well in that initial connection with the female investor, realize it is not about you, the FA selling anything. It's all about her. And you've got to find out about her what's important to her, and talk about what's important to you and why you love your job. That's the best initial foundation for the relationship, and then you can move forward. Jill, would it help in engaging that that uh, client if you were to say right off the bat before we launched into who we are and what we do, would it help to say, tell me why you're here? What brought Abs- you here? So Absolutely. So what brought you here? And if they pause, you can offer them a few a few suggestions just to get it rolling. When you think about how many people don't have financial advisors, this is a completely new experience to them. They're feeling a little bit of angst regardless of how many assets they have. So get to know the person and then you'll get to know the purpose. And I think male and female alike, a lot of times it's if it's their first uh, kind of interaction with a financial advisor, they're not even sure what answers or what questions they should even be asking, right? No, not at all. Not very, very intimidating. It is so intimidating. You know, John, whenever we speak, we always say that for the most intimidating job titles in the United States are doctor, dentist, attorney and financial advisor. And so Mm -hmm. you have to put someone at ease and develop that relationship so that they can then open up to you, tell them what's important and you can partner with them to help them to be more financially successful. And I think, Jill, you know, whenever we have these conversations, uh, you know, we, you and I have worked together for years now, and we we always hear some of the some of the same practices, behaviors, so on and so forth. So, for instance, you know, one of the things you always hear about is you have to make eye contact, right? How many times does a husband and wife come in, and and the female investor is is, is kind of ignored, even though she may be the primary decision maker? And I don't mean to play those things down, but I think most advisors have probably already heard that, right? But what you're saying is it really goes beyond the physical behavior, even though that's important, and really getting into the psychology of making sure that that client, that female client, especially feels listened to, right? Are there 
Are there any suggestions you have or tips that you have for making sure that a client feels listened to or practices that the advisor might actually employ to, to demonstrate or to practice their listening skills? Oh, absolutely, John. So in addition to asking those open-ended questions, let's just set the stage. In the office, if you can be sitting around a table where nobody has a power position, where the FA isn't, you know, in a powerful position kind of disseminating information in a, in a classroom type setting, you want to be sure that the eye contact that you mentioned is so important. And if you're struggling to draw eye contact, start asking open-ended questions and don't be afraid to say, how do you feel about that? Because, you know, I, I'm, I'm a grad school person from, you know, the 80s. And in business, we never talked about how you feel. Financial advisors should never be afraid to ask their clients how they feel. If you think about the trans, the, the type of um, monetary transactions that take place, they, they are motivated by feelings. It, it, you have to have feelings about retirement. You've never retired before. What about selling that family home? where you raise the children and have so many memories. What about the feelings of inheriting money? If you've inherited money, you've, you've experienced a loss. Or if you're saving money for grandchildren or children's education, that's pride and investment in somebody's future. So it, it's okay to save feelings. That doesn't make you weak, and it doesn't downplay the value of what you do. And so when you're t- when you're Use eye contact. Use positioning in the room. Make sure that your setting doesn't scream, I'm a very formal financial advisor. Make sure that there's pictures of your kids so you can refer to them while you're talking about their children or your hobbies or your trips. And, and be sure to, and be sure to give everyone ample time so that when someone's pausing, it's that connectivity of thought that women have and we can't help it. You know, men can't help that they think in by topics and women can't help the fact that everything is connected. It's just our DNA. It's how we're made. But if you can understand that and then apply it to the strategy of how to draw women into the relationship, you will, you know, female investors may turn out to be your absolute favorite market segment. You know, it's interesting, Joe. I just uh, attended oh, a couple of weeks ago, a, a meeting of top advisors for a given firm. And, and we were talking about the changing nature of the financial services business. And, and the one term that they used, and it reminded me of a TED Talk, which you probably are familiar with, by Brené Brown. And I don't know if we can post that in the show notes or not. We'll have to ask our, our folks. But the whole topic is around being vulnerable, right? And so, you know, by being, by being vulnerable, we open ourselves up. And Jill, you know, look, not everybody is comfortable with those kind of conversations, right? If you think about as we as this industry moves towards more understanding emotional needs and then applying the financial solutions as a, you know, kind of in, in a secondary position, not that it's not crucially important, but finding those emotional needs first. What if uh, what if I'm not especially good at having those kind of conversations? Would I? perhaps look at someone else on my team if I'm in a team situation to to have those introductory conversations or how would you handle that you know I, I I hate to say this but it's a matter of practice trust yourself that person is there to get to know you as a person so that you guys a person a professional can 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 help them with their needs so just find some of those open-ended questions that you're comfortable with that don't feel intrusive or as though you're asking someone to expose something or that if you were asked, you would feel exposed. And then read the person's 
uh, body language and listen to their tone and feel the positivity when it comes back to you. People want to know that they matter and they don't know how to sort all of this out. And so it, it is emotional. Just practice it a little bit and just dip a toe. Just dip a toe and try a couple and wait until you see the results. They'll be extremely positive. Well, and you already mentioned, Joe, right? Maybe one of the spots that I think of if I'm, if I'm not necessarily exactly comfortable. And let's point out, nobody's totally comfortable if they haven't had these conversations before, but maybe it's as simple as examining why did I get in this business? And why do I get up every morning and look forward to coming in and doing what I do for my clients, right? Even that may connect us with some of the same reasons that may resonate with that, that client across the table, correct? Absolutely. You know, when we ask our advisors, you know, who's your favorite client? And, and they'll say, gosh, we have a lot of favorite clients. Well, and I said, well, without names, like what are some of the characteristics of, of clients that, that, that you really enjoy serving and having part of your family, your business family? And it's always people who communicate with me, people who listen to me and people who value what I do. Now, now flip that. That, that's exactly what clients want. People who listen to me, people who communicate with me, and people who value what it is that's important to me. The only way you're going to find out the answers to those key questions are by asking the questions and people will open up to you. It's just you've got to remember, initial hesitancy from a new client may come from the fact that they simply don't know how to engage with a financial advisor because this experience is completely new to them. So, Jill, as we wrap up this episode, I am going to ask you back for uh, a, a sequel episode, if you will, because I still have some more questions on this topic. Um, but I mentioned in the beginning that you've provided us uh, a worksheet that we're going to get into the show notes. Well, in that worksheet, does it does it give some of these examples or does it how is the worksheet laid out in terms of what we just talked about, like some of these things that we're doing wrong and may need to change? There's information there on open-ended questions. We have things in um, things to consider. Like we have charts as to what you might be doing as an advisor and feeling completely well-intended, and then things to consider instead. So it's kind of an if this, then that. And they're very gentle. No one's asking anyone to completely upend the way they're doing business. But these minor tweaks to how you're trying to develop relationships with these Female investors can make a big difference. And so we have a lot of very practical information um, for people to consider to, to have a big impact. Well, that sounds great. Jill, I wanted to thank you again for joining me on today's podcast. And, uh, and I'll look forward to talking to you again on our next episode. Uh, so thanks again for, for joining us oh, thank today. You, John. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. And from all of us at Hartford Funds, I just want to say thanks for listening. And we will talk to you again soon on our next episode of the Human-Centric Investing Podcast. This podcast is intended for use by financial professionals or in conjunction with the advice of a financial professional. It is intended to be educational in nature and should not be construed as individual investment advice or a recommendation or solicitation to buy, sell, or hold any security or to adopt any investment strategy. It does not constitute legal or tax advice or fiduciary advice pursuant to ERISA rules. Jill Slomsky, Niche Team LLC, is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Hartford Funds.